Hi everyone, my name is Sebastian Richard and I'm coming to you live. I'm the host of the Thriving on Purpose broadcast and I'm glad you could join me for this uh, Bible study about the kingdom of God as we continue our series based on my latest book, Kingdom Fundamentals. So I'm gonna again, uh, I'm gonna again this week, pardon me, <laughs> I'm gonna again this week give you another powerful Bible study that I hope will bless you and encourage you in your walk with God. And uh, today, uh, the Bible study I'm sharing with you this today and this week is the price and the rewards of seeking first the kingdom. The price and the rewards of seeking first the kingdom. Because when you decide that you're going to seek first the kingdom of God, that you're going to make it the priority in your life, there is a price to pay, and the, the Bible is very clear about that price. Jesus was very clear when people were following him. He told them about the price. He was very, very clear about that, that there is a hefty price tag, and we're going to talk about that in detail. But the rewards are even bigger than the price to pay, which is the good news, basically. It wouldn't be good news without that. So that's what makes... Uh, the gospel of the kingdom of God, such good news. And we're going to talk about the rewards of seeking God, of putting, uh, seeking the kingdom of God first, putting it first in your life. You know, uh, growing up and for many, many years, uh, one of my favorite Bible verses was that Bible verse uh, right on the, in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in uh, Matthew 6, 33, where, where Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you uh, on top of that. So in, uh, in other words, as he was teaching them, he was telling them, don't be like the pagans because they worry about all, all the things that, that have pertained to life on earth. Uh, they, they, they worry about the clothing. They worry about their shelter. They worry about their food. They're always worried about these things. You are called to something higher, and your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. These are the necessities of life, and he's got you covered. So here's what you should do. You should seek the kingdom of God first, and God's righteousness, and his righteousness, and guess what? All of these necessities of life will be covered. That's going to be covered in the transaction. So it used to be a very comforting verse for me, and uh I remember thinking, I always thought like every step of, uh, of my walk with God, when I say every step, like every year, as, as I was going, I always thought I, I was all in. I was all in. But you know what? 
being all in for God, it's something that very few people achieve in life. Uh, there's always, um, anyway, for me, I'm still, I'm still in that place in my life where you, you still kind of hold back stuff. You, you, you think you're all in and then God shows you something. Oh, look at that. I, I wasn't really all in. And then when you take care of that and you, you, you solve that, then you think now, now I'm all in. And then guess what? God shows you another thing and then another and then another. That process is called sanctification. But it's interesting how God um, really is patient with us and he blesses us despite all the stuff that we may be holding back from being all in. So he's a good God and uh, it's, it's such a privilege and a joy uh, to serve him and to have him as a heavenly father. So I want to quote from you uh, a nice proverb that Solomon uh, said in Proverbs 25, verse 2. He said, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. And I really like that verse because it talks a lot about seeking seeking out, searching out. And that's what the book is all about. Kingdom fundamentals. I mean, most Christians I know, if you talk to them about the kingdom of God, they think they have it pretty much figured out. They think they know what the kingdom of God is. I used to be one of those. And the problem with kingdom fundamentals, getting people to see that this book can change their lives, Christians to see that this book can change their lives, that they think they already know the kingdom. Uh, and yet, there's so much we don't know about the kingdom of God. I learn something new about the kingdom every week. There's always something new that God shows me that I'm not getting, that I'm not applying, that I'm not getting results in. And he shows me why. And he shows me what I need to change in my prayer life, what I need to change in my faith, what I need to change in my mindset, what I need to change in my uh, relationship with him, what I need to change in my relationship with others. There's always something that you can learn about the kingdom of God and how it operates, how it operates from heaven to earth, but also how, to, how we should operate in it as uh, human beings. So the Lord Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, he said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be it'll be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. So in the context of that message, we see there's a strong persistence attached to what we're told to do: seek, ask, and knock. There's a persistence aspect to it, it's a constancy, it's something that we should be doing constantly, not just once. So we are to persistently seek, persistently ask, persistently knock in order to find and receive what the, the good things of the kingdom of God. So back uh, a few years back when I completed my John Maxwell team leadership training, the president of the company back then was Paul Martinelli. And uh, we were 3,000 people gathered in the hotel um, in Orlando. And uh, it was a pretty epic event, and it was really, really great to be there with people who, who uh, thirsted for knowledge, personal growth, leadership. That was a great experience, but uh, it really stuck, uh, 
stood out what Paul Martinelli, the president of the John Maxwell team organization said at the time. So he was uh, giving his, uh, his speech and he was talking about what we were given through the John Maxwell team because as coaches and leadership trainers, we're given access to great materials that we can share with churches, individuals as we coach them or organizations. And he was talking about all this John Maxwell uh, John, John Maxwell material that we were given access to and, and we were given the right to use to teach people. He said, understand this. What we're giving you here today, what we're giving you access to in your graduation, because it was our graduation, he says it's gold. It's absolute gold. This content will change lives. And he says, the temptation you will have when you leave here, once you're graduated, and you can you can teach it, you can use the content, is that you'll you'll want to give it to everybody, even sometimes for free. And here's what he said. He said, don't do that. He said, don't give it to the people who need it. Give it to those who want it. And that really stood out to me. And then, because then he said, and what was pretty obvious, he said, everybody needs it, but not everybody wants it. And you have to give it to those who want it. And the kingdom of God operates on the same principle. Remember when Jesus said, don't give your pearls to swine. Don't give your pearls to swine. In other words, the, 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 uh, the understanding of the kingdom of God, the knowledge of the holy, that's pearls. That's a treasure. Now, you don't want to give it to people who will disrespect it. You don't want to give it to people who are not ready for it. You don't want to give that to people who are, are, are um, have contempt for it, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, we should preach the gospel to everybody, but there's some discernment needed there. We need to be discerning as we preach the gospel to people. So this one uh, piece of advice really changed my outlook about uh, giving a good quality uh, things to people. So it's really like the thing about the kingdom of God. And it's a, the economy in the kingdom of God that everyone, everybody you would talk to would say that they want to get in the kingdom of God. They want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Like who wouldn't want to be that? Like, except maybe Satanists and those who are part of the other kingdom, but regular folks, I'm talking about regular folks, they would say, yeah, I want, I want to be part of the kingdom. And yet God made the kingdom of God hard to find. He made it hard to find on purpose. So it's like he hid it only for those who were willing to seek it. He made it hard to find, and therefore you have to really be seeking it to find it. Only those who diligently seek it will find it. So it's the narrow way. It's what Jesus said. It's what he called the narrow way. He said there's two ways. There's a, a, a wide way that leads to perdition. And many people find that. It's the easy way, the, the wide way that leads to perdition. But there's this narrow way. And that one leads to life eternal. And very few find it. And that's the kingdom of God. That's the knowledge of the kingdom. So here's what Jesus said about the kingdom of, uh, of heaven in Matthew chapter 13, kingdom of heaven. Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven because he wrote to the Hebrews. And the Hebrews uh, 
didn't want to break the commandment that says don't don't uh, use the name of your Lord in vain. So the Hebrews were very uh, careful with that. So Matthew, on purpose, used the kingdom of heaven term instead of the kingdom of God. So in Matthew 13, we read this. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid. See, it's hidden in, a, in three measures of meal till, is, till it was all leavened. Again, the kingdom of heaven... That's in verse 33, by the way. In verse 44, Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden. Here's that word hidden again in a field, which a man found and hid it. He hid it again. And for joy over it, he goes and sell all that he, he sells all that he has to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. It's a treasure, right? who, when he has found one pearl of great price, he went and he sold all that he had to buy it. So the leaven is hidden in the dough. The treasure is hidden in the field. And the pearl of great price is very hard to find. So also in Matthew chapter 13, verses 11 to 13, in the New Living Translation, Jesus told his disciples the following after they asked him, Master, why do you speak to the people in parables all the time? Here's what Jesus said. It's very interesting. He said, you, speaking to the disciples, are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what little understand they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. So, indeed, the, secret, the secrets of the kingdom are given to the disciples who are willing to sacrifice, to find that hidden, that hidden pearl, to find that treasure in the field. So, those who really seek the kingdom will find it. So, we can't get our hands dirty. You know, I mean, not we can't, but we can't be afraid of getting our hands dirty when the time comes to seek the kingdom of heaven. We have to get our hands dirty. We have to be all in. We have to make that decision. I am seeking the kingdom first and his righteousness. I'm putting that as the priority of my life. Because when you think about it, a, a life, even a long life of, let's say, 90 years, that's a speck in eternity. That's nothing. It's a little speck of dust. When you can look at the whole, the big picture, it's not, it's not much. So we should put it as a priority. So we kind of have to become like Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. So how would Indiana Jones, let's say, if he was seeking the kingdom of God, let's say, let's say there's a new indie movie, Indiana Jones movie, and it's, I don't know, let's, let's say the title is uh, Indiana Jones and the Hidden Kingdom. Let's make it like that, okay? So how would Indiana Jones seek out the kingdom of God? Well, he would he would do it like by being persistent. He would uh, he would do like what would we see him do in, in the uh, the movies? He looks for clues. He studies 
a heck of a lot. That's something that uh, is, is kind of interesting about Dr. Jones is that he, when you see him in the university with his books and stuff, you realize he was a student. So he would he would study everything that's been written about the kingdom prior, right? Because he's now looking for it. Uh, he would ask questions. He would go seek out other experts, ask questions to try to, to make his quest easier. So the point is he would do everything in his power to make his quest a success, to find that hidden kingdom. And that's what we kind of have to be doing. We kind of have to be Indiana Jones in seeking the kingdom of God. We have to be intentional when we're seeking this, uh, this hidden kingdom. So when, when Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, that's a quote from the book, by the way. And in the book, it's, it's highlighted. It's put in, in, it's pretty bold on the page. When Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, it was an invitation into obsession. I love that quote. <laughs> so when Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom, it was an invitation into obsession. And that's how you really find the kingdom of God. You have to be obsessed with it. Now, there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay for those who want to find the kingdom, for those who want to be a part of the kingdom for those who want to have rewards in the kingdom, walk with the king every day, there is a price. And we're going to talk about that price right now. So I'm going to read to you from the scriptures. It's in Luke chapter 14, verses 35 to 43. And it talks about the price. Jesus wasn't afraid to go there. He wasn't afraid to tell people what they were getting into, potentially. Because he wanted the people who were following him to be all in. He didn't want uh, wishy-washy people. He wanted people who understood the cost and who were like, yeah, count me in. I, I know the cost. I get it. I I'm in. So in Luke 14, 35 to 43, we read this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, Brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, those are, those are tough words because people at the time, they, they knew what a cross was. They knew what a cross was meant to do. And like people today, they love their, their mommy and their daddy and their Sisters and brothers and all that. I mean, like, who doesn't, right? So Jesus was putting a, a, a perspective here, like, get this. This is going to be hard. And there's another passage, and I, I don't know, I don't have the exact reference, where Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I came to bring a sword. A man's enemies will be people of his own household. I'll bring division between a father and son, a mother and daughter. People will disagree on account of me and who I said I was and what I came to do. That's no small thing. I've lived some of, of those backlashes. It's been very difficult. And I'm sure if you're an ardent believer, you too have, have been on the receiving end of these family problems, even problems with friends, uh, losing friends, losing 
contact with family members because they think you're a whack job. I mean, seriously, it's it's gonna be it's gonna take you there. So I'm gonna continue verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Right? Of course. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 10, men to oppose the king who's coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, uh, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Wow. Obviously, what Jesus is saying here, he says, you better be sure that you're all in. Because when you're building that tower, when you're you're counting the cost, you, you want to make sure you have enough, even for what is, is not, you know, sometimes you're going to, I've done renovations in my home a few times and I know how it can be. You plan a budget carefully, but we don't always plan for the stuff that's going to go wrong or for the pipe that's going to break or for the beam that's going to not be correct or not measured properly or, or cut off, cut the wrong way or whatever. There's always these extra costs associated with building something. So when you decide to be all in for the kingdom, guess what? There's going to be extra costs that you didn't plan for. And that's what I was telling you guys at the beginning of this broadcast. You may think you're all in, but then God's going to show you something else that you didn't consider and be like, Oh, well, I, I didn't think about that, Lord. I I guess I I guess I I I I guess I need a little more, you know, time to pray about this. And <laughs> in other words, God is going to show you during your process of walking with him the stuff, the other stuff that you didn't plan for that you still need to give up. Because of, at first you have an idea of what you're going to give up, but then you realize. The real figures are not what you really figured initially, and God's going to show you, and uh, you you have to be ready for that. There's going to be costs that you didn't see that are going to kind of catch you, kind of blindsided, and you're going to be like, "Whoa, I didn't see that coming." These costs do exist. And speaking of the cost of following Christ, of being, of making the kingdom of God your priority, of seeking first the kingdom. I wanted to share a very wonderful video clip of Catherine Kuhlman in 1974. She was at a conference and uh, Ms. Kuhlman pretty much always had the same passionate message. Obviously, it wasn't always the same, same, but she was such a passionate woman who had a heart for God. And for anybody who criticized her, who says her ministry wasn't legit or this or that, tell you what, you bear the fruit that she did. And then we'll talk. Okay? That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's all I have to say about Catherine Kuhlman. But I want to share this clip because she talks about the cost in this clip. And you can tell in this short minute and a half clip 
that this woman isn't just talking about the cost. She's lived it. She has lived it. She has paid the price. And, you know, a lot of people back then, when she was doing everything, a lot of people were asking her, which is only normal. There's still going on today when people have big ministries and they have healing and miracles showing up in their ministry. What must I do? What must I do to, to have a platform like this? What must I do to be able to bless people this way? What must I do to have this kind of anointing, this kind of power fall, uh, uh, of God falling on me? What must I do? Well, Miss Kuhlman answers the question. So I'm going to share this clip with you, and I know it's going to bless you because it really blessed me. It costs much, but it's worth the cost. It costs everything. If you really want to know the price, if you really want to know the price, I'll tell you. It'll cost you everything. Catherine Kuhlman died a long time ago. I know the day, I know the hour, I can go to the spot where Catherine Coombe died. But you see, for me, it was easy because I had nothing. I had nothing. What a poignant testimony, but it's so true. Those who have much have much more to lose. I, um, I've had times in my life when I had much, times in my life when I didn't have that much, times in my life when I had literally nothing. Uh, but the cost is very high. And she's right when she says it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you in certain circles, in certain circles, your reputation. You know, some people will want to invite you because you're sold out to Christ. They'll want to invite you to speak at their conference or to, uh, to speak on their broadcast or podcast or whatnot. Other people will want nothing to do with that. Because you speak of Christ, because you're a believer. Some people will want to hire you because you're a believer, minority. Others will not want to hire you because you're a believer. Uh, people, you're going to lose friendships. You're going to lose relationships. You're sometimes even, you know, <laughs> momentarily at least, you might lose your mind or think you're going out of your mind. Because the cost is very high. Which, uh, which brings me to uh, speaking of the rewards. I'm, I'm going to kind of just slowly transition from cost to rewards. But I still want to talk about the cost because the passage I'm going to share next talks about both. 
It talks about, it's a wonderful passage. It talks about the cost and the rewards. And that's what I want to talk about next. So when you decide to be all in for the kingdom of God, there are great rewards. And that's that's going to be fun to talk about <laughs> because right now I'm kind of giving you the, the more sour aspect of it. And it is what it is. In Mark chapter 10, verse, verses 17 to 31, it says this. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? That was the rich young ruler. We're in Mark. So that was the rich young ruler. And that story is repeated in other gospels. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. Now that's, that's, a, that's a sermon all its own. Like, why would Jesus say that? Wasn't he the son of God or equal with God? Or why is he saying that only God is good? And oh, he's, he's separating himself. Anyway, interesting stuff. It's worth taking time to study this passage. So then he says to the rich young ruler, he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, one. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So that's the first part of the passage I want to share. And obviously, it talks about the cost. And when Miss Kuhlman said, it was easy for me, I had nothing. She wasn't kidding. When I came to Christ, I was nine years old. I, I came from a broken household. My parents uh, had divorced. They had remarried. They re-divorced when I was 14, but that's for another another time, that, that story. But the point is, uh, I came from a broken household, poverty, multiple moves, moved many times in my youth. So I had a bad childhood, and we didn't have much. We were poor. So when I came to Christ, when I heard the invitation at nine years old, I was a little bit in Miss Kuhlman's situation. I had nothing. I didn't need to count any costs because I had nothing to give up. But the CEO of a multinational corporation who works with high stakes and high people in high places who might be asking for certain things to be done in a certain way, that person who comes to Christ has a tremendous deal to lose because all of a sudden, once they're born again, they might not be able to do certain things a certain way anymore because now their conscience will tell them, no, no, you need to do this this way now. You serve God now. 
no more underhanded tactics, no more stealing, no more unlawful ways of acquiring. So for that person, following Christ has a huge cost. But for me, I can say, like Catherine, it didn't cost me much when I was young. Now, that changed, obviously, when I became an adult and uh, uh, in the real world, and I had to deal with all kinds of situations, obviously, that changed. But when I was a kid and I came to Christ initially, I didn't have much. So let me continue. I'm still in Mark 10. Now I'm in verse 23. So we know that the rich young ruler left. He was sorrowful because he had great possessions. And Jesus just told him, look, I can tell that where your attachment is, you still didn't let go. You still think you want to serve God. You still think you're all in, that you want to be all in, but you don't really. And he showed him that. And the young man went away sorrowful. So then Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. Why were they astonished? Well, it's very simple. Back in those days and still today, it hasn't changed much. People who saw wealthy people, they looked at these people and were like, God's blessing is on this man's life. Obviously, he's been doing something right to have so much wealth. So that's how people used to think a lot. Not everybody, but a lot of them. So when Jesus said this about rich people having to, it's hard for them, harder for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. The disciples is like, well, who stands a chance then? I mean, these guys are obviously blessed. They've been doing something, right? Aren't they better than me? You know? So they were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. So he gave a little more information here. So initially he said for those who have riches, but... Then he said, for those who trust in riches. Okay, now we, we get the picture a little bit more. So for, for those whose trust is in their money. To, because when you enter the kingdom of God, you and, and that's for another sermon, another teaching. But when you enter the kingdom of God, you're entering God's kingdom economy. And God's kingdom economy doesn't work like the world's economy. He who gives will get. It, it's not about... Uh, uh, elbowing your way through success and, and, and uh, being the bigger dog or, or, or having more fight or, or, or grinding more. It's not that anymore. See, in, in the world system, we're used to that. But when, when you're entering the kingdom of God, now you're a citizen of a new realm. And in this new realm, the economy works differently. There are certain principles that still apply, but the economy works differently. Uh, everything seems to be in reverse. He who wants to leave, lead must serve. He who wants to acquire wealth must be generous. Uh, he who wants to uh, be elevated must humble himself. And that's just a few of, of the things. But So now in this uh, realm, it's under God's jurisdiction, and it operates differently. 
So the blessings come to you differently. The promotions come to you differently as well. So then Jesus said his famous phrase, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among, amongst themselves, who then can be saved? Like, we don't stand a chance because at face value, I'm a sinner. And that rich man's over there is a sinner too. We're both sinners. But he seems to have God's blessing going for him. I don't have that. The, the people would reason, right? So who then can be saved? Like if this guy, who seems to be doing better than I am, can't be saved, what, what can I do? But Jesus looked at them and he said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Isn't that a beautiful verse? We see it on mugs. We see it on T-shirts. You might see it on one of our T-shirts soon because Liz is working hard on, on uh, the Thriving on, uh, Thriving on Purpose Kingdom store. We're going to have a store. We'll have a great apparel and, and stuff like that. But uh, that, that's coming. It's pending. Right now, if you go to thrivingonpurpose.com, it's the podcast podcast page because we're building the, the store. We're building another platform that's going to really blow your mind. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I'll let you guys know in the uh, our email, uh, our weekly uh, newsletter. So with God, all things are possible. Now it gets really interesting. Oh, it gets good here. Then Peter began to say to him, oh, I love this. Why do I love this? Because Peter, a lot of people reproach to Peter that he he, he spoke everything he thought or he was too prompt in speaking forth. But man, what I like about the guy is that he's willing to ask the questions that no one else is willing to ask, or he's willing to say stuff that most people would say, hush, hush. And I, and in some situation, he really should have shut it. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, I'm glad he asked the question. And I'm sure the others were curious to hear the answer of Jesus after he asked that question. Peter says, see, we have left all and followed you. He doesn't really ask a question. He says, see, we left everything and we followed you. He's basically saying, we're not like that rich young ruler. We, we left everything. I left my fishing business. I left my family behind. I left my hometown to be with you, Jesus. But here's what Peter is asking indirectly. We can tell by the intonation, just reading it, we can feel it. He's basically saying, what's in it for us? Like, we, I left everything to follow you. And I know you're the Messiah. And I wouldn't, there's no place I'd rather be right now. But, but Jesus, could you reassure me here a little bit? Because what you just said about the wealthy and the, the who can be, like, who can be saved, we're kind of still worried here. Because you said earlier, like, we need to hate our mother, father, or sister, brother, <laughs> take up our cross and follow you. And I, I feel like, I feel like I'm all in, but uh, could you reassure me here? And Jesus answered gracefully. And he said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one, no one that's then and today who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother 
or wife or children or lands. He knew. Jesus knew the sacrifice that Peter and the others have done. Or lands for my sake and the gospels. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Now, this is very important. This is key. And in the age to come, eternal life. So, in other words, in the coming age, eon in the Greek, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So Jesus was reassuring here, saying, look, I know the sacrifice that you've done, Peter and the others. You did indeed leave family, brother, sister, father, mother, land, business, for my sake. I, I know this. You will receive a hundredfold in this time. So a hundredfold is, uh, is, is spread all over the the whole spectrum of being a human being. So obviously there's there's going to be material compensation, but Jesus is not talking just about that. There's going to be houses and lands, because we know that when the church began, right, there were, there were lands, there were houses, there were all these things they were dividing amongst themselves. So everybody had everything they needed, okay? So they did get the material. It was covered, but it was more than that in the spiritual sense, in the fulfillment sense, in the purposeful sense, what they received was a hundredfold, a hundredfold. So then this brings us to the question, are you all in? Now you've heard the cost and I'm gonna talk about the rewards a little bit more because it's important to address. But are you all in? Are you like Miss Kuhlman or like the apostle? Are you willing to leave it all behind for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel of the, of the kingdom of God? See, the same couldn't be said of the rich young ruler. He proved incapable of entering the kingdom of God because there were certain things he wasn't willing to do. And just check where I'm at. So a few years back, a couple of years ago, I thought I was all in. I mean, and that's happened many times in my walk with God. And uh, God is so patient. But I thought I was all in. Go back maybe two or three years. I mean, I'm doing the broadcast, podcast, writing, my blog. I was, I was still working at... Canada Post uh, back then. And I thought I was all in. I, I thought I was all in. And one night I go to bed and I have a dream. It was a powerful dream, a prophetic dream for my life. I'm going to share it with you guys. I share it in the book as well. So I'm walking in a beautiful hill. It's a beautiful kind of like hill region beautiful green grass, and I'm walking up a hill, and I get to the top of that hill, and 
behold, from the ground, coming up from the ground, I see a beautiful treasure chest, but it's, it's pretty big, a big treasure chest, rustic looking like a kind of like, you know, it's, there's a treasure in there, right? And it's coming out of the ground. And then the cover opens on its own. And as the cover opens of that chest, I see great light, great light coming from the chest. I don't see the treasure in the chest, but I see a beautiful, great yellow, yellowish light out bursting forth from the chest. Um, it's almost blinding. It's beautiful. And then I hear the voice of the Lord behind me. And I hear, are you all in? That's the dream. I woke up. And I knew that Jesus was telling me through that dream, I have great treasure for you, Sebastian. Great treasure. If you're all in. And he was kind of bringing me to that place where I needed to evaluate if I was all in. And of course, any man or woman who is brought to that place where they have to do a self-assessment, am I all in or not? Very few people will come to the conclusion saying, yeah, I'm all in. When I have that dream, I thought before I had that dream, I thought I was all in. After I had the dream, when I considered my life, the way I was living, and I wasn't living like a demon or a sinner to like not, I wasn't, I wasn't going out partying every night. That's not what I'm saying. But I was, I was just, and I realized, no, there's, there's, there's still stuff. There's still stuff I'm holding on to, Lord. I'm not. I had to be honest with myself. I wasn't all in. I wasn't. And uh, I had, I had some homework to do. But man, now I don't, I don't uh, pound my chest anymore. I don't, I don't go like, yeah, I'm all in. I want to be all in. I have the desire to be all in. I check myself regularly to know if I'm all in. Like Paul says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves to see if you're all in for the kingdom of God. If you're making the kingdom of God a priority. And that's something we need to do regularly. Regularly. So it'll cost you everything. And we know that that's a hefty price tag. But here's the good thing is that the rewards are out of this world. The rewards for making the kingdom of God, the priority in your life, the rewards are out of this world. And you can access them right here and right now. You know, it's not just going to be when you die someday in heaven. You will get crowns there. You will get rewards there too. But it begins now. It begins now. We're going to look at what the rewards are. So we're going to look at Matthew 13, 23. It's from the parable of the sower. And we read this, but the seed falling on good soil. Jesus is giving the explanation of the parable of the sower. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word 
and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold what was sown. A big harvest. A big harvest. So what does this look like? Like we know that it comes from, we know the seed is the word of God. The word of God does a work when it gets inside a man's heart. It does the work of a mustard seed and grows and expands and takes over his life, right? And then what does that man start showing? He starts showing fruit, the fruit of the word of God, the fruit of the kingdom of God that has taken refuge in his heart and grown. So you carry now as a kingdom believer, as a kingdom citizen, the fruit of the kingdom. And King David wrote in Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3, he said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Let's look at the fruit of someone who is willing to pay the price and who is all in for the kingdom of God, who makes it a priority in his life. Let's look at the fruit. First of all, you become adopted as a child of God. You become part of God's family and you become an heir, an heir of God right here on earth, right here on earth. See, get, get that concept out of your mind that some it's going to happen someday in heaven. That's one of the main things I address in the book, Kingdom Fundamentals. It's going to happen right here on earth. A lot of it is going to happen right here on earth. So you're an heir of God right here on earth. You manifest growth and fruit. You manifest a harvest, fruitfulness, right here on the earth. You gain a new family. Remember when I told you that if, if you're all in for the kingdom, Jesus said I was going to come and bring division. You're going to have, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose contact with family members. You're going to think you're you're gone. You're you're you're, you're, you're cuckoo, or they're going to think you're too strict or too religious or too this or not enough that. Or they'll find something. Trust me, they're very imaginative. The point is, you're going to lose friends and family. But the good news is that you're also going to gain friends and family, the family of the kingdom of God. Remember when Jesus uh, in the gospels, he was teaching the people who showed up, Mary and his brothers and sisters. They showed up. Why? They thought he had lost his mind. And someone in the crowd said, behold, Jesus, hey, uh, your mom and, and your brothers and sisters, they're outside. They want to see you. And it says that they thought that he'd lost it. <laughs> Jesus knew that. He knew that. He knew that for certain things, they weren't quite ready yet. 
they became they, they they bought into him later. Let's just put it that way. But at that time, at that moment, they 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 thought he was cuckoo for cocoa puffs. So he says, "Who is my family? Those who listen to and do the word of God." In other words, it was pointing to the people who were sitting down, listening to the word of God as he was teaching. He was saying, "These are my family. These are my brothers. These are my sisters." And so that's something that's going to happen. You're going to gain new family, the people of God, right here on earth, right here on earth. You're going to prosper. Yes, you're going to prosper. And a lot of Christians, a lot of churchians, I should say, are allergic to the word prosperity. I got to say, maybe with good reason, but it's, in the, it's still in the Bible. God wants you to prosper. And by the way, uh, just a quick uh, note here. Uh, if you haven't read five reasons God wants you to prosper, you need to get your hands on that book or on the Kindle edition because it's going to do a complete rewiring of your mindset when it comes to money. It's going to really fix it and bring you in alignment with what God says of money, with what God's intentions are with money. So you're going to prosper. If you're all in for the kingdom of God and your mindset is, is right with God, it's, it's aligned with the word of God, it's aligned with heaven, you can't have what heaven has unless you think like heaven thinks. That's a fact. Okay? So even if you are saved, even if you are part of the kingdom of God, if you don't think, if you, you don't think like heaven thinks, you're not going to have what heaven has. Simple as that. So make that very clear in your mind. That's why I wrote the book. That's where I wrote that book, because I understood that for the longest time, I didn't have what heaven had because I didn't think like heaven thought. I didn't think like my father thought. My thoughts were uh, uh, away from his thoughts, and I couldn't, I couldn't prosper because I didn't have prosperous thoughts. So you need to change that. But if you do align your thoughts with heaven, and if you are uh, engaged in uh, being fully in the kingdom of God, fully in all in, as I said, you will bear financial fruit here and now on the earth. You will bear that. What else? Well, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed in, in general. You'll be blessed going out and coming in. You'll, your, your, your baskets will be blessed. Your, your bank accounts will be blessed. You're going to be blessed. You're, you're going to have, uh, 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 you're, if you're looking for a wife, you're going to find a wife. You're going to you're going to have children. You're going to, you're going to be blessed and fruitful because that's how God wants you. And people will notice. People will notice. People notice kingdom citizens who are all in for the kingdom of God. They notice that. So you're going to be a testimony to God's goodness in your family, work. You're going to have excellent, you're going to show, demonstrate wisdom in your decisions. You're going to make disciples. It's going to be people who will come to Christ as a result of knowing you or hearing what you have to say. What else? Another recompense and fruit and reward of being all in for the kingdom of God. You will benefit from the Holy Spirit's assistance. That is no small thing. That's huge. In Philippians 2.13, we read, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you basically become a tool in God's hand to fulfill his will on the earth. 
Because remember, when we pray um, the, um, the Lord's Prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a way of saying, Lord, may my life align with what you had in mind when you sent me here. May my life align perfectly with it. May my thoughts align with it. My actions align with it. May my fruit align with it. So you will bear that kind of fruit. And you will have the Holy Ghost assisting you in showing you the way. You're going to hear that still small voice behind you saying, Behold, this is the way. Walk in it. You're going to hear that. You're going to be given business plans, book projects. Uh, you're going to be given partnerships. And you're going to be made fruitful in all kinds of ways. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will show you. This is where you should go. This is who you should talk to. This is this is being done on your behalf. This delay is going to be for my glory. Uh, this this is going to happen in such a way. You're, you're going to know. You're going to be given supernatural assistance, supernatural knowledge, and supernatural results in, will come in your life. And last but not least, you will obtain crowns. Now, the crowns are going to come in heaven. The crowns. See, notice how I was talking about all the rewards. All these rewards I was mentioning before, they're here on the earth. They begin here. They complete in heaven, but they begin right here. Now you're going to get these crowns in heaven. Jesus said in Revelation 22, 12 to 13, he says, look, I am coming soon. By the way, this is a, if there ever was a prophetic word, uh, that's verse right there. Look, I'm coming soon. He says, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have believed. No, no, wait, that's not what it says. It doesn't say according to what they have believed. Wait, let me reread that. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Oh, okay. The actions, the fruit. You say you have faith? Well, show me your faith through your works. May I see your faith through your works? That's James right there. So done. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So he will, he says, my reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Done. So what you do is the direct results of what you believe. So here's what the crowns are. The crown of life, the incorruptible crown, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, and the crown of exaltation. Now, that's the short list of, I gave you the, all the stuff, all the rewards, but there's so much more. That's the short list. I gave you the obvious stuff. The stuff that we read in the scriptures, that's very obvious. But there's going to be personalized rewards. I believe that with all my heart. With all my heart. I believe that there's going to be personalized rewards. Because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and when we have a personal relationship with a loving father, he gives us personal gifts. Personal gifts. I, sometimes I tell Elizabeth, I say, I believe that when we get to our, our, our 
mansion or our place of abode in heaven that, that God will have prepared, that Jesus Christ will have personally prepared when he says, I go and prepare a place for you. He says, I, be, I believe he's going to put his personal touch in there. There's going to be something, there's going to be a, a, um, a heirloom, a heirloom for each and every one of us. And uh, I, I kind of have a, I'm not going to share what I think my heirloom is, but I, I, I challenge you maybe to think about these things. Don't forget, Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. Just giving you a clue here. <laughs> you do with that what you want. You do with that. You, you think of that. You think about that. So before I end the broadcast this week, uh, I just wanted to revise. Like I, I obviously, if you don't know about Kingdom Fundamentals, I mean, you got to get this book. It's life changing for believers. Life changing for believers. That's how powerful this book is. It, it, it's obviously a non-believer can benefit from it, but I didn't write it for non-believers. I wrote it for, for kingdom citizens who think they know, like I did, what the kingdom of God is, but in reality have no clue because they're not experiencing it. They're not experiencing it every day. There's stuff missing in their life. There's questions that are not answered. And that's what I strive to do in the book. I strive to answer those questions scripturally, point people to the kingdom of God, prove that we have been for centuries misled by religious organizations um, in, in a big way, churchianity, let's call it what it is, churchianity. And because of that, we have been missing out on the message that was so dear to Jesus's heart, the gospel of the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God, which is, according to his own words, why he was sent to preach. That was the thing. That's the thing that he was sent forth in the earth to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. But for so many reasons, we dropped the ball. The church, we've dropped the ball and we are tardy in picking it back up. And as a result, a lot of believers are experiencing only a fraction of what God has for has in store for them. And so basically I compare it in the book to a big hotel, a super nice, luxurious hotel. Uh, and I, I took that illustration from Dr. Miles Monroe, but I thought it was so spot on where we get in that hotel that through the door, Jesus Christ is the door. We believe the message of salvation. We get through the door. Okay, I'm in the hotel. The kingdom is the hotel. Now we're in the lobby and we think that's it. For, for most believers, that's what their life as Christians limits itself to. Now, if you were to go to a beautiful hotel, obviously a lobby can be very nice. I mean, there's these beautiful sculptures and 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 then tapestries and wood wood decorations and nice frames and beautiful things but you're missing out on so much when that's where you stop your when you don't go to the to the penthouse or the beautiful place that's waiting for you in that hotel when you you don't benefit from the uh, room service or the big screen TV or uh, the comfortable bed or all these things and you think this is it that's it. That's the kingdom of God. I'm, I made it. I'm in the kingdom. Well, you, yes, you are. Technically, you're in the kingdom. Yes, you're part of the kingdom. You're in it. You made it through the door. 
but you stopped at the message of salvation and there's so much more. And that's why I wrote Kingdom Fundamentals was to show believers just how much more there is. Oh yeah, so I was always saying, um, I wanted to share about, if you haven't checked it out, uh, just go to amazon.com and look for our, our journals along with uh, Elizabeth and I, we, um, we published these wonderful journals. They're called My Kingdom Journey. Look at this, they're gorgeous. There's, um, I don't know if you can see it well, this one's green. That's a seed journal. Seed journal is basically when you sow into the kingdom of God, when you, you give, uh, you plant, you sow seeds, financial seeds, money, or, or sometimes it's an act of kindness or whatever seed you, you might sow in the kingdom of God. To, this journal will help you to jot down those seeds and pray over them. It's a fantastic tool. Uh, that really enables you to, and um, you know, when, when a farmer sows his seed, he knows exactly what he's sown and he knows exactly where he's sown it. So he can, you know, monitor the situation. And oftentimes as believers, we sow, we're generous, we do the good deeds, but we don't always think to pray about, pray into these things, pray into these seeds. So that journal will help you to do that. And I don't have time to talk about all sowing and reaping, but it's obviously a big part of kingdom living. The other one is about decrees. So it's my decrees. So my kingdom journey, my decrees. So, you know, like uh, one thing we noticed, Elizabeth and I, is we, we were doing, we were decreeing, declaring as we were praying every day, including it in our prayer life. And, uh, and sometimes you read, let's say from a book, you read some powerful decrees, but they're not really adapted to your situation. You kind of need to tweak them. Well, this journal is perfect for that. I mean, you take this journal and it's perfectly tailored to write down your own specific decrees that have to do with your own specific situation and needs. So that's why we did that one. This one, my personal favorite, that's my personal favorite, not only because it's blue, but it's called Field Notes. Field Notes, you know how scientists, uh, when they go out, and they have a, a journal with them and they, let's say they, they, they monitor uh, nature or, or lions or, or whatever animals that they're studying. They take notes, they take field notes. They compile all these observations and stuff. Well, when you're on a kingdom journey, you're gonna take notes. I mean, I, I have a notepad next to my bed. Sometimes God wakes me up at night with an idea. And I have to write it down. So I keep a notepad. So now I have this one here. So field notes, this wonderful kingdom journey. It's, it's only to take notes. It's all for notes. The ideas, the downloads the Holy Ghost gives you. Um, sometimes it's a quote. You hear a great quote. You're listening to a sermon. Hear a great quote. You want to jot it down. So you can bring it to church. You can bring it to church and take notes uh, aside, like as you're listening to the, the preacher and all that. So it's a really, really good tool. Very versatile. And another one of my favorites, My Kingdom Journey Harvest Journal. So this is so wonderful. When your prayers are answered, when God comes through in a big way or in a small way, sometimes it's a small prayer, doesn't matter. Small, big, medium, doesn't matter. A prayer answered is a blessing. So jot those things down in your harvest journal. This is where, this is where you get God's grace and God's blessings. Uh, and you want to jot them down for future generations, 
it's a really good thing to have on hand. You write the date, you write all, we got, man, we split it up in, in the categories. So we linked this one to the seed journal. So we have a, a place where you can write the seed that was sown. So if the harvest is linked to a seed that you, you've sown, you can link it in there. So the seed that was sown, the harvest that was reaped, what happened? What did God do? I praise him for. What do you praise him for? And spiritual observations. So once all is said and done, it's always good to have hindsight, to look back. Okay, here's what I've sown. Here's what God's given me. Here's my harvest. Now, what lesson? I praise him for that. I praise him for this or this and that. But then finally, spiritual observations. What is the lesson that I'm gaining for this? What am I understanding through all this? Um, sometimes it's incredible the nuggets that we can gain through observations like that. Just taking the time to think, to think back on what just happened and why it might have happened. I like Gary Cassie, Pastor Gary Cassie. Uh, said this often. He said, um, I, I make myself into a spiritual scientist because I, I like ob observing what happens in the kingdom of God, but I like understanding what I'm seeing, what I'm observing. So I like, why does this happen when I do this? And why does that happen when I do that? And how come this didn't happen this time, but it happened last time? Trying to figure out in your prayer life, in your declaration life, in all the, your spiritual life, your walk with God, why do things happen the way they do? And what can I gain? What insight can I gain from that? It's good. It's good things to uh, to keep in mind. Let's see here the comments here. So anyway, hey guys, look, been on an hour and ten minutes. The price and the rewards of seeking first the kingdom. I hope this has blessed you and I pray you have a wonderful week. And uh, I, I hope that if you're not all in, that you will examine yourself right now and that you will ask the Lord, Lord, what's missing? Why am I not all in? What should I do to be all in? What's holding me back from being all in? Ask yourself, ask God these questions. Ask, ask God, examine me, O Lord. Kind of like David said, examine me, O Lord, and show me if there's any wicked way in me, any, any way that is contrary to where you want me to go, what you want me to do, so that I may walk according to your will on this earth as I am required to do. And as I know that if I do it, I will also be blessed as I do it. So, Guys, I hope this has blessed you. If it has, make sure you share it with friends, family, people on social media. People need to hear messages like this today. God bless you, and I will see you next week. See you next time.